right through Easter tide to Pentecost as we have our Paschal candle lit. Uh, perhaps it was more saying something about the level of weariness we were uh, currently feeling. But perhaps that was how it was for the disciples. They had walked the way of the cross, the road of Christ's suffering. They had plumbed the depths of despair and grief at his crucifixion and dying. But now their experiences of Easter Day and afterwards, the stories we're hearing now of the various resurrection appearances of Jesus, tell of quite a mixed bag of emotions, as varied and slippery as astonishment, joy, disbelief, hope, doubt, faith. And in there, no doubt, still buried quite deep, perhaps emotions of guilt, fear, anxiety for the future, is this all a dream or is it reality? And Jesus' mysterious appearings and disappearings, turning up and then vanishing, kind of helped. He seemed just as slippery and hard to get a grip on as their emotions which rollercoasted with him. He was the same but different. So maybe it's not so surprising then in this rather strange extra chapter 21 of John's Gospel that almost seems pinned on to the end of the gospel, we hear that the disciples have drifted back to Galilee. And in their insecurity, perhaps their restlessness about what to do next, they've gone back into default mode. Let's go fishing. And perhaps Peter, in making that suggestion, is still uncomfortably aware of the baggage of Holy Thursday night and Good Friday. It must have become well known that he'd denied his closest friend and then had gone to ground and failed to be there for Jesus at the time of the crucifixion. So best go back to something you're good at, to what you know. But even here, these fishermen fail. There are no fish to be found. That cheery inquiry from the stranger on the beach is met by a very despondent no. And I just wonder whether there were one or two other words muttered under the breath. Well, cast your nets onto the right side of the boat then, and you'll find some. I wonder then, did the wheels start clicking in their heads? Was Peter taken back to another occasion three years before, not long after he'd met Jesus, when Jesus had told him to do the same thing? And now, just as on that occasion, overwhelmed them with a net-stretching, mind-blowing catch of fish. 153, and there have been plenty of theories about that. I'll let you explore those if you choose to. That first time Peter, convicted of his own unworthiness, had asked Jesus to go away from him. But Jesus had reassured him, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. So it's like they've come full circle back to the beginning. And the disciple John, as ever, makes the connection. It is the Lord. It is the Lord. And dear Simon Peter acts true to type with that puppy-like impulsiveness and anxiety to please into the water, haul in the fish, onto the beach. Jesus invites them to eat with him. He's already prepared a fire, fish, bread, a barbecue. And as Jesus takes it and gives it to them, the memories must have flooded back. Jesus feeding the 5,000 on this very lake shore with five loaves and two fish. Jesus taking the bread and the wine, blessing it and giving it to them 
at the Last Supper. This is my body, this my blood. They did not dare to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Peter, though, as he warmed up by this charcoal fire, was inevitably taken back to another charcoal fire where he'd stood and warmed himself on that Thursday evening after Jesus' arrest. And when he was recognized as one of Jesus' disciples from up north in Galilee, he had three times vehemently denied that he knew Jesus. And so now, as on the slide, the walk on the beach, I took that photo on the beach we think was the beach on the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus and Peter walked among the stones. Peter the rock walked among the stones. This conversation with Jesus that Peter so much needed, but no doubt dreaded. And three times comes that simple but probing question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Three questions matching that threefold denial. Not asking for the whys or wherefores of his past actions, but acknowledging that it's happened, accepting it, grieving for it, and saying what matters now is our relationship now, where we're heading together now, where we're walking to. Are you committed to me now as the one who has revealed himself as the giver of new life, of new hope, of new possibilities for the future? And Peter is able to respond, yes, Lord, you know me through and through, the bad and the good, and you know that I love you. Jesus' replies to Peter, though, are not what we might expect. There's no, well, that's all right, then make sure you do better next time. There's not even a, well, I'm glad you're feeling better now, so am I. We so often speak about our love in relation to feelings, but instead Jesus moves from the realm of feelings into action. Perhaps Peter was more comfortable with that. Jesus has a recommission, a job to do for Peter. Feed my lambs tend my sheep. And so that metaphor has changed from fish to sheep. And no doubt back into Peter's mind come Jesus' words, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, my own know me. And now Jesus is calling Peter to share that shepherding role. But more than that, Jesus had said the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, had shown that at the cross. And so now Peter will hear too that this is going to be part of his call as he follows in the footsteps of his Lord. And his too is going to be a costly discipleship, a commitment to the death. And tradition has it that Peter indeed was crucified just as his Lord was, we think, under the Emperor Nero in about 62, 64, uh, around about that, that time. But in Peter's case, it is said, he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord, crucify me upside down. So yes, Peter was recommissioned by Jesus to be a shepherd and in early church tradition, chief shepherd of the church. But yet it's still the flock of Jesus, the good shepherd. Feed my sheep, Jesus says. And Jesus' last words to Peter, at least in this gospel, just like his first words to Peter, are follow me. He is still a sheep, still a disciple. 
I was talking to Rebecca Bale when she was down here at Easter and now up at St. John's College. And she was talking about they'd been looking at those images of sheep and shepherd. And so I gave her a poster that someone uh, did for me years ago using pictures from foot rot flats. So that will show you how long ago it was. And the phrase it has on it, sometimes I am a shepherd, sometimes I am a lamb. Lamb is easier. That's all it says. So I said, I think it's time for me to pass on this poster uh, to you. Well, perhaps it takes not just the 50 days of Eastertide, but a lifetime to live into that resurrection life and hope of Jesus, following in the footsteps of the risen Christ, seeking to pass on the love of God we've experienced in Christ to others around us, to practice resurrection as a verb, to already be practicing resurrection life as we live out our daily lives and the places we live and work as Easter people, as resurrection people. In uh, typical Johannan style, uh, as John's gospel so often does, there's a lovely connection between the images of this lovely chapter 21 and what we do here each week as we gather. Peter plunged into the water to meet the risen Christ, and we too plunge into the waters of baptism to enter our new life in Christ. Peter and the disciples share a meal with Jesus, which Jesus has prepared for them and hosts for them, taking, giving thanks, breaking, and sharing, just as we do with Christ's body and blood sacramentally present here with us. And then Peter, John, and the other disciples are then sent out, recommissioned for their ministry and mission in Christ's name, offered a new beginning regardless of the denials and failures of the past, offered a new discipleship. Yes, clear-eyed about its cost, but too walking in the footsteps of the risen Christ, who is always standing there, standing on the beach, inviting us to walk with him, greeting us, calling to us, and saying, come and eat. I want to end with an Easter prayer that perhaps expresses this calling, which is yours and mine. Risen Christ, may we live today in your resurrection light. May we live by God's law of love, extending mercy, compassion, and joy. May we share the gifts God has given us, practicing generosity, hospitality, and love. May we live as Christ would have us live, bringing freedom, justice, and hope. Amen.